Welcome to Your Own Words, a podcast that celebrates the love of reading with real people and real books, both critically acclaimed and slated. Listeners are encouraged to read along and join the journey through the libraries of friends newly discovered. This podcast may contain spoilers, feminist rants, curse words and mispronunciations of names, cities and more. Hello, Beck. Hi, Alison. Happy lockdown week forever. Happy lockdown lifestyle. Woo! Hashtag this what, is life now. Um, what life ambitions have you succeeded in this week? <laughs> um, I have been cross-stitching. Oh, yeah. How is that? Uh, so good. Love it. But the only problem is that cross-stitching has... Uh, I need my eyes and my hands so yeah. I can't read and cross so it's been taking up my reading time so now oh, I've been audiobooking I'm audiobooking so I can multitask um and I just I have to like shout this out I know I've already shouted it out to you but I'm so obsessed right now with the Beastie Boys book literally called Beastie Boys book is so cool and I also think it's it's one of those books that you should do if you can as an audiobook because the cast of people that read it is unbelievable it's like it's like 50 different people it's like ll cool j john stewart uh kim gordon yeah it's written by adam horowitz and and michael diamond it's like the story of yes and so they narrate some parts of it but then they've got this whole cast of characters of like the new york scene and like all over the hip-hop scene as well um that narrate it and it's just like i'm loving listening to it and i've always liked the beasties but i never like never bought a record never like cared that deeply about them but it's such an interesting read so far like they haven't even put out license to ill yet and i'm just like so into it so nice. highly 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 recommend because for me i was like i want an audiobook that's going to be like a really good experience that's worth audiobooking yeah. do you yeah, know what yeah. i mean like i need to know the narrator is going to be good i need to like really get something great and so a friend um pointed me in the direction of this and I'm super obsessed I'm like this is this is like a full journey that you I would never have picked up this book in the store if I could go to one but um (laughs) (laughs) but the audiobook is so cool yeah so that's my I'm I'm reading slash listening to that right now while cross-stitching and I'm super into it so just if anyone's looking for an audiobook there's one (laughs) nice yeah what about you? How's lockdown life? Have you DIY'd anything this week? Or are you taking taking a step back? <laughs> have you um, run out of things to I, fix? I have. I am slowly. Well, yeah. No, I've I've pretty much run out of things to manipulate in my home. Um, <sighs> yeah, I have. Well, we actually got like April weather this week, so there's been wind and rain and stuff. So I've been extra yep. extra housey. But last weekend, I went for a 26-mile cycle through central London. Oh, yeah. Was, the pictures are so creepy. It's, it was honestly the best day I've ever had in London. It was amazing. Um, it was obviously completely dead. So we're going like all around central London, Soho, Oxford Street, Falk Square, uh, Parliament, Whitehall, like all of the big touristy attraction-y places, South Bank, all of it on bikes in like the most gorgeous weather and just dead silent streets the noises of birds birds in central london what the fuck that's insane it was amazing and it really like i love london i've always thought london's a beautiful city but obviously i've lived here for like 10 11 i don't know 12 years now some some 
time. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> and there's often been people in it. So <laughs> you after, after a while, you kind of stop seeing the little things you stop noticing and to cycle through it. I also would never cycle through central London because I don't have a deaf wish. Um, so that was a new experience anyway. But to cycle through central London, pretty much deserted streets on like 10 o'clock on a Sunday, I really just, my appreciation for London went up tenfold. It is a stunningly beautiful city. It really is. It really is beautiful. The buildings are amazing. The, the little areas are so distinct to themselves and have so much character. Um, so I fell in love with London again. I had just the nicest day. I socially distant cycled with my friend. We cycled to the same places at the same time, um, but were on bikes. So we're obviously never really that close to each other. So I felt like I shared an experience with someone for the first time in ages. Um, and then it rained and I didn't leave the house for a week. So yeah. <laughs> living my best lockdown life it was peaks and troughs it was genuinely it was it was really really nice it was one yeah we should share we should share those pictures on uh on instagram when we put this out fucking weird like being underneath the london eye with no one there (laughs) the bluest of blue skies it was so bizarre but yeah amazing if you have a bike if you have access to a bike i highly recommend people you get on a bike because it is it's just the, the it's given me so much joy in lockdown world right now love that cool um what is giving me joy is getting excited about recording this episode (laughs) and I really wanted to like get into the zone so um (laughs) I have where is this going (laughs) no I have I've got red wine Mm -hmm. because that is definitely on brand for this situation I've also changed into my Marilyn Manson jumper (laughs) nice um, so I can just really embrace my inner teen goth because this book, <laughs> this, this, this book, book is <laughs> inner teen goth book. Yeah. Um, if you were a goth, you're going to be stoked about this. If you weren't a goth, you might be deeply confused. But hey, I mean, there's space for every book on this podcast. And I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited. Um, when we got this through, I was like, 90s vampire erotica, sign me up. I am so in. Yeah. Pretty much every page, I was like, oh my God, Alice is going to love this book. Alice is going to love this book. Alice is going to love this book. I mean, it's a thing where like I, and I, we will obviously talk about this in the episode itself, but it's a, it's a thing where I, I liked it, but I liked it as my teenage self. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like I knew me at like 15 would have just been so obsessed with this book. Yeah. Um, and that made it just like a bit of a sort of it was a nostalgic experience even though I'd never read the book because it did feel like when I was reading Interview with a Vampire at 14 yeah. or something oh it, it you know? definitely I, I immediately felt like I was in the 90s like it was yeah. really like yeah. oh my favorite decade <laughs> shall we tell the people about the book let's tell them uh first I shall tell them about the author Billy Martin, whose books are published under then-name Poppy Z. Bright, is best known for writing gothic and horror novels and short stories, including Lost Souls, the original cult novel of Vampire Chic, which is the one we're discussing today, as well as Drawing Blood and Exquisite Corpse. A master of the short form, his collections include His Mouth Will Taste of Wormwood and Are You Lonesome Tonight?, published in the UK as Self-Made Man. His trademarks include gay and bisexual men as main characters, graphic sexual descriptions, and an often wry treatment of gruesome events. 
Martin's fiction set in the New Orleans restaurant world includes Liquor, The Value of X, and stories from his collection, The Devil You Know. Martin lives in New Orleans with his partner, Gray Cross, and sells new and used curios. He announced his retirement from writing in 2010, stating he had lost the ability to interact with his body of work. In 2018, Martin announced that he had returned to writing with a nonfiction project entitled Water If God Wills It, Religion and Spirituality in the Work of Stephen King. So want to read that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is still a prolific blogger on Patreon at patreon.com slash docbright. Interesting. It was super hard to find a good synopsis pod for this, which upset me. Mm. Um, although I feel like I could just say, it's the 90s and there's vampires and that, that will do it. Sums it up. Okay. At a club in Missing Mile, the children of the night gather, dressed in black, looking for acceptance. Among them a ghost who sees what others do not. Anne, longing for love, and Jason, whose real name is nothing, newly awakened to an ancient, deathless truth about his father and himself. Others are coming to Missing Mile tonight. Three beautiful, hip vagabonds, Molokai, Twig, and a seductive Zilla, whose eyes are as green as limes. They're on their own journey, slacking their ancient thirst for blood, looking for supple young flesh. They find it in nothing in Anne, leading them on a mad, illicit road trip south to New Orleans. Over miles of dark highway, Ghost pursues his powers, guiding him on a journey to reach his destiny, to save Anne from her new companions, to save nothing from himself. Ooh. Ooh. Not bad, I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to tell us a little bit about today's guest? I would love to. Um, We are... We are continuing on our Scottish adventures Team with Scotland. another another <laughs> Scottish guest. Get as far away from us as we possibly can in lockdown. <laughs> yeah, we're traveling, we're traveling only to Scotland <laughs> <laughs> thus far. Um, well, we've been to Nevada. Nevada was our first oh, yeah, lockdown episode. And then we've been in Scotland ever since. And I'm not mad about it. No, it's very nice. Uh, so today's Scottish friend uh, is Michael Lee Richardson. Uh, He is a writer and youth worker based in Glasgow. His short film, My Loneliness is Killing Me, directed by Tim Courtney, won a BAFTA Scotland Award for Best Short Film and was given an honourable mention for the Iris Prize in 2019. It has been shown at film festivals around the world. He is currently developing projects for television with a range of different production companies and working on his second short. As a prose writer, his short stories have appeared in Queering the Map of Glasgow and Proud, edited by Juno Dawson. He has written two titles in Puffin's children nonfiction, Extraordinary Lives range, on Alan Turing and Freddie Mercury. I am so starstruck right now. (laughs) With Ryan Vance, he ran the Queer Words Project Scotland and edited We Were Always Here for 404 Inc., As a youth worker, he set up and ran Trans Youth Glasgow and is a passionate advocate for Scotland's young people. Uh, Michael Michael. B. Richardson, welcome to your own work. Hi, hi, hi. We are thrilled to have you. Uh, Uh, I'm thrilled to be here. We were just saying we're taking a journey through Scotland right now with, I think, people that you know. Um, There's like a a little group of you. Uh, so Siobhan, who mm-hmm. we have lost her files. She's in lockdown. Oh, no. <laughs> her we haven't lost them. literally in lockdown. It's in lockdown her, in Soho. We can't get the digital file because I basically oh, downloaded no. downloaded one file twice instead of downloading both 
files that I needed. So her episode is actually meant to come out like a month and a half ago. And she's on lockdown with us. So luckily, she's a lovely person. And she's like it'll be worth the wait it's fine and i'm like oh god it's a really good episode as well so it's so good we loved her i don't even know i don't even know what book she chose so i'm looking forward to yeah she chose um uh what's it called i will give you this i'll give you the stars i'll give you the sun oh that's a lovely book yeah really lovely it was lovely that's the word that i used many many times (laughs) something for everyone to look forward to Yeah. yeah Yeah, how are you doing, Michael? How's your lockdown life treating you? Um, it's treating me not so bad. I think um, I work freelance anyway, so it's not massively affected my life. But it has made me realise how much sort of swanning about I do. And <laughs> I I don't think of myself as a particular like social butterfly, but I realise how much I do go out and just see people. And that has been driving me a little bit crazy. But... Uh, other than that, it's not too uh, bad. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Have you? How have you been keeping yourself entertained without the ability to swan around as much? <laughs> um, with great uh, difficulty. I've been doing quite a bit of reading, but reading quite a lot of nonfiction, um, which I don't usually read. Um, for some reason it feels easier to read nonfiction at the minute. Maybe I just want a connection to the real world, um, which I cannot be connected to at the moment. Um, And lots of watching. Like, I I haven't got the brain space or the taste for, like, good drama at the moment. So watching lots of um, competition reality shows. um, And me and my friend Claire have been... uh, Rewatching the 2010 series of The X Factor on um, YouTube and and sharing our thoughts on that. So um, who won 2010? Yeah. Uh, it was the One, was Direction, One Direction year, year, but it was the year that Matt Cardle won. It was oh, it's God, like a yeah, amazing lineup. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amazing lineup, and then sort of Postman Pat wins at the end. <laughs> this awful kind of <laughs> wow. I wonder how he's spending lockdown. <laughs> I don't um, know if I want to find out. Probably not very interesting. I was going to say that you were saying um, that you've been reading nonfiction, and yeah. I think interestingly, a lot of us at the beginning of this lockdown, a lot of people were like, "Great, amazing opportunity to read books. I'm going to order a load of books. Get my, I'm going to work through my TV art. It's going to be amazing." And everyone we've spoken to, we keep speaking to, have all said. I'm actually really struggling to read. I'm really struggling mm. to focus. I'm not reading a book that I thought I was going to read. I'm like picking up bits and pieces here. Like I'm, I don't think I've read in about two weeks. Like it's, there seems to actually be the opposite effect where we all thought this is a great time to just sit down and do the reading, which in any other world, we'd say, what a joy. We've got like a month to read. And yeah. everyone seems to be struggling a little bit with it. I think, it, yeah, because it, it's, yeah, it's hard to find the brain space for for reading when you're, dealing with uh this really weird time um i'm I'm trying really consciously not to call it the apocalypse and stuff like that because i've become over that at this point um because yeah the most boring apocalypse there ever has been um but the sit down apocalypse yeah yeah (laughs) like watching lots of kind of buffy the vampire slayer when i was younger has not prepared me for (laughs) how dull the apocalypse actually 
Yeah, I think you were saying that last week back. I can't remember if it actually made it onto the episode or not because I did a lot of a lot of chop and change last uh, last episode. We talked a lot, um, <laughs> but yeah, you were saying like everyone's reading. We were talking about kind of apocalyptic books and films. Like everyone's watching Contagion right now. Everyone's reading The Handmaid's oh, Tale, and and Beck was saying something about how it's funny that like everyone's reading and watching these like action packed things when the reality of the pandemic is we're all just sitting in our houses doing absolutely. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I was doing last night? I was playing Yahtzee. Wow. Yahtzee. Like an old lady. <laughs> I've, t- I've taken up cross-stitch. So, look at this. Sorry, sorry, listeners. Oh, I love it. What does it say? It says, I, I will, will read books and ignore you. Ah, appropriate. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I've been cross-stitching, playing Yahtzee and baking. Isn't that the the main? I don't know who I am. That big action film about <laughs> about <laughs> pandemics, but the main character like gets really intensely into cross stitch. Yeah, it's like will yeah. she make it to the multiple end? stabs? Yeah, multiple stabs. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I feel like I really hope that Tina Fey and Amy Poehler or like some amazing Making, comedy team yeah. make like an actual pandemic film yeah. after this. Yeah. Oh my God. Where oh my it's God. just a bunch I, of people sitting in a house. I do. A friend of mine yesterday, I said, what have you been up to? And I said, oh, I've just, yeah, I've got really into this new series. Uh, it's called The Wall. And the second series is called The Floor. And the third series is The Ceiling. <laughs> and it's just, it's so intense. And a lot of people have said that the, the ceiling is a really bad reflection of the floor but I think it had its own merit so I like, that's that is I feel like that just summed up <laughs> perfectly exactly what the reality of this is that is yeah great. rather than all your sort of action-packed films um yeah I mean all we're doing now is asking how are you doing in the pandemic and having pandemic chats but um you, uh, as we learned in your bio, um, you work with youth, which is amazing yeah. and wonderful. You must be missing them a lot right now. Yeah, I did it. Um, oh, it's probably really inappropriate. Um, we did a, a sort of youth group via Microsoft Teams oh. yesterday. Um, and one of the kids who's, I think, 16, was just telling us about how she's how like she's getting drunk every night on um facetime Hello. with her friends i was like okay maybe <laughs> don't tell me that yeah. <laughs> um, oh, no. but, um, i mean same yeah. but <laughs> well exactly exactly but actually kind of checking in with them was kind of a tonic like it mm. it kind of made me realize like this is what my job actually is it's not sort of sitting at a computer in my own house all day yeah. like i don't know I'm really crap at answering emails at the best of times and I've got the perfect excuse now that almost everyone I email I get like a out of office saying I'm on furlough until the end of May so <laughs> don't yeah can't do anything. So. I was going to ask uh, in a non-pandemic related way uh, is there a book or a few books that you kind of always recommend to the youth that you work with? I, I'm curious. Um, I'm, I'm guessing it's not lost. No. <laughs> no, <it would laughs> Just based on the content. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've I've always worked with um, queer young people, which means lots of goths. Um, <laughs> so it would not be entirely in a. They'd love it. I don't think they would not like Lost Souls, but um, yeah. What do I always recommend? It's really terrible. I think the thing that I keep re- recommending at the minute is. Um, 
Proud, the anthology by Juno Dawson, yeah. which I'm in, so it feels like slightly <laughs> <laughs> awful self-promotion. Read um, this! <laughs> it just means you're proud of the project that you've taken. Yeah, on. exactly, so exactly. Um, but lots of... Um, uh, I think lots of representation of different types of queer young people in that in that book. Uh, what else do I recommend? That's terrible. I'm re- like it really depends on what somebody is into because I think that's the thing with working with young people. Like some of them are um, might not have had a great time in school and not a great reading experience. So the recommendations I'd give to them would be very different to somebody who had a not great time in school but just really liked reading which (laughs) um, yeah uh, which is more my experience I guess yeah I was gonna say do you do you identify (laughs) I mean I feel like I I escaped it books a lot as a teen goth so I wonder Mm. if you had a similar I feel like I I feel very connected to Michael already based on his book choice my inner teen my inner teen goth is like so happy um so I wonder if you can like give us a little window into like what teen Michael was like because I think teen Allison might have been similar I was like Anne Rice what is this I love <laughs> <it>. <laughs> see I never I to my shame I've never read Anne Rice's books um and I think I just because... almost did a spit take but it's oh, no. <laughs> I think because I was into Poppy Zebright and there felt like a sort of constructed rivalry between <laughs> which which vampire author yeah. you were into. <laughs> um but also the um I think by the time I reached Anne Rice, it was when she'd gone a bit off the boil and a bit... I, I don't know why, but I have the sense that she's maybe a bit mad now. And, like, she was quite litigious for a while over people that wrote fan fiction. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe when I reached her, she'd just kind of been spoiled a little bit. But I love the film Fair. of Interview with a Vampire. Um, but what... Yeah, yeah, I guess a, a teen yeah, who doesn't? queer goth. <laughs> were there other, like, horror writers? Was it all horror? <laughs> was it all horror not, when you were a teen? or Not at all, not at all. Um, what did I like when I was a teen? I just did this, like, sort of meme thing on Twitter about what, what were your... the things that you read as a teenager a lot. Um, Poppy Zebright was one, and I, JT Leroy I read quite... I was like obsessed with JT Leroy when I was a teenager, um, who is the wrote a book called Sarah and a a memoir in inverted commas called The Heart Is Deceitful Above All Things. Mm, I, um, I know that one. And then it turned out that JT Leroy was kind of presented as this, um, I guess, androgynous trans young guy slash non-binary person. Um, writing this kind of autobiographical fiction. Uh, but then it turned out later on that it was actually a, a kind of middle-aged woman that was writing all the books. Yeah. And the person she got to play, JT Leroy, was her, I think, sister-in-law. Um, like, But that scandal, I think, makes it even better. There's like, a it's really just good sort of... film, um, yes. which I've completely forgotten the name of, but telling that story... Mm. Um, Oh, what is it called? It's really like anyway. There's a film about that, and it's yeah. great. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> um, but it is. I I totally agree because I remember when that came out. Like it was a big mm. revelation. It's like, oh my god, it's a lie. It's not a moment. This is awful. This writer's been lying to all these people. You know, the audience was bought in under these preconceptions, and they weren't true. It's an outrage. But I just immediately was like, this is the best story 
Yeah. <laughs> yes, you yes. dressed up this poor kid like what the hell like <laughs> I, it and was such a good story now, well like when you look back at it now as well it's like she's in like a sort of party city blonde wig and like big sunglasses like yes, it's just how? sort of absurd like it's like almost like people just wanted to believe how it so much get- <laughs> there's no way i feel like this is what an example of one of those things that could have only happened before social media like yes there's there's just no way on the planet that someone in a stupid wig would you, you wouldn't be able to pass <laughs> it off now whereas you could then because like you didn't have that same level of ex- constant exposure all the time and mm. you know like film is grainy I don't know. <laughs> um, but I do I do I really distinctly remember co- that coming out and it being this like so many people being so angry about it and I just thought this is this is such an incredibly interesting story mm. um yeah it, like it's so bizarre and the film is great whatever the hell it's called it's really worth it's the one with Laura Dern like yes. there's like a, a yeah oh yeah it's Laura, yeah, Dern's in Laura it. Dern in it and- is Kristen Stewart in it? I as feel well? like that's... I want to say yes to that as well. Maybe that's just like something I really want you to wish. see. <laughs> <laughs> You're both right. So Laura Dern and Kristen Stewart are in it. Amazing. As is Courtney Love. Yes. Of course she, she is. is. Course. Yeah. <laughs> and the film is called JT Leroy. <laughs> 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 um so I am dying to know like the whole story behind why this book how this book, when this book, but we have two important things that we need to do before we get there. One of which is ask you the most important question that we ask every guest. I'm very Um, excited. And that is, I'm not excited, so I'm glad somebody (laughs) is. Um, Basically, whether or not you are on team paperback or team plinth, i.e. hardback, and why? I am team paperback. Uh, I feel like Hi, everybody Michael. is. Right, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone comes I to thought, my side of the party. <laughs> I thought as a fellow goth, you would appreciate I, a leather-bound book. Well, because goths I mean, like to be dragged down by the weight of their souls. <laughs> I, yes. I'm already weighed down by the weight of everything, so the hardback book does not impact me. I mean, as a goth, I do like a beautiful, gaudy thing, but I like, also, I really like like a really tatty Mingin paperback <laughs> and I'm, I'm quite kind of because I do like I would like to read a physical book yeah. rather than like an an ebook or something like that because I don't need another thing that I can get onto the internet with is my only <laughs> yeah. reading Agreed. Um, uh, but the um, yeah I like to read a, a paperback and I, I think quite unusually particularly for a goth and for somebody who loves reading I don't I'm not like a collector of books. I see them as quite ephemeral and either things to sort of bash about a bit and write in and keep in your bag or just once you've read it, it sort of disappears into the ether of the world and and, uh, it doesn't really matter where it goes or what happens to it. Yes, I'm definitely team paperback. Um, It's nice to have you here. (laughs) I was thinking about this question recently as well because I... um, one of my lockdown reads, um, I've been reading quite a lot of graphic novels, um, and I just read On a Sunbeam, um, Tilly Walden, I think she's called, this very kind of, I think she's very young, 
It's so good. It's the it's one of those things that you could probably only read in lockdown because it's physically massive and kind of a strain to hold and read. Um, like a yeah, I I kind of said to one of my friends, like I'm really struggling with it. It's like it's really heavy. It's it's quite hard read. And he was like, oh, I I I thought it was fine. I was like, no, look, it's physically really heavy. It's a really hard to read. <laughs> <laughs> is it hardback or is it just like a large it's a big massive graphic novel hardback like well i've got a quite a nice hardback edition anyway yeah so cool. the second thing we must we must do before uh we get into why this book uh is can you tell us uh in your own words uh what what this book is about Oh my God. No. <laughs> I know you've been <laughs> anticipating this. And you must tell us in the best, best possible way. No, like there are no rules. Like, <laughs> to be fair, I've I li- don't think I could. I'm not sure Alison could. I've heard a There's a lot going on. Like, There's a lot going on in this so, book. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a journey. I think one of the things that I really respond to in, in his books um, is that they are so I think because they're like New Orleans they're like so sort of swampy and soupy and like characters just go places and do things and sometimes there's no real reason or real kind of (laughs) like ending to it even but there's something so compelling about it to me um anyway um so I'll I'll give it a shot I did write some notes on what this book is about (laughs) I love that people are taking notes now (laughs) we we don't even have notes we have no idea what the fuck we're doing right now, but I appreciate the effort, so lay it on us. <laughs> okay. It's about a teenage goth called Nothing, who is the half-human, half-vampire son of Zilla, who's a vampire. Um, broadly, Nothing goes on a road trip to a place called Missing Mile to follow his favourite band, Lost Souls. Um, and at Missing Mile, he meets... The vampires Zilla, Molokai, and Twig. And Zilla, as you remember, is his dad. Um, he gets into a sort of incestuous relationship with Zilla. There's yeah. lots of incest in this. I have to say, like, when I was rereading this for the podcast, I was like, what have I got people to read? Okay, I, I'm so, I, I cannot tell you, Michael, how <laughs> glad I am to hear you say that. <laughs> Because I said, so I was saying to Beck before, when I read this, so I hadn't read it before, but mm. I read it and I was like, oh my God, what is happening? But yeah. but at the same time, so it's like, it's a book that if I just like read it now, I would be like, probably pretty shocked by and pretty like, I don't know. It, it's a lot. There's a lot in here that's yeah. a bit like, oh my, like pearl yeah. clutching. Um, yes. At the same time, I read it with this like my 15 year old goth self would have Mm. been like oh my god everything is so taboo and so dark and so like wrong and I would have loved every minute of it so because of that I kind of read it through her eyes and I I just kept saying to Beck I'm like oh my god my teen self would have loved this book the one thing is though I was messaging my mom last night hey Gail hey Gail (laughs) she's our number one listener Uh, she's a a big fan and she's reading along she's like doing the thing that we wish everyone would do I'm so sorry right (laughs) she messaged me last night I'm like oh we're recording the goth vampire one tomorrow like I've got to get I've got to get a red wine order in and she's like oh yeah I've got to make sure I start that book and I was like oh my god I don't know to read this and she's like why I'm like um gay vampire sex incest I don't know I'm like 
feel very <laughs> weird about my mom reading this. <laughs> Granted, like she grew up listening to Alice Cooper. She's she's fine, you know. But I'm yeah. still like, oh my god, my my dear mom. It is. I'm what it so is. sorry, Gail. I hope, I hope she enjoys it. Maybe she'll have a revelation. <laughs> she might love it. She probably will. It's going to be like under her. She's going to keep it in her bedside table. <laughs> well, where people normally keep their Bible, Gail's got lost souls. Yeah, she's got teen teen vampire erotica. Um, so yeah, I think like the, you are right. This book is hard to to. It's synopsize. hard to pin down as well because there's so many different storylines happening, yeah. and I feel like mm. while reading it, I wasn't. I kind of thought, okay, this is going to be nothing story, and then I was like, yeah. oh, is this going to be Christian's story? Oh, now Anne is playing this massive part, so it yeah. kind of felt like. The, and then obviously Ghost and Steve. Mm. Um, we get in kind of everybody's heads. We we hear it from kind of all different perspectives, which I do mm. actually really like books that do that. Um, mm. But I never kind of knew like who 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 is the protagonist here because it did feel like it jumped around a lot. Yeah, um, it jumps around a lot. So it it is hard to like succinctly say like what this what is this book about. So I get why you were mm. nervous. And it felt like a, <laughs> it felt like a lot of different stories as well, like not just different characters. So it'd be like a lot because I had to listen to it. Um, because the the post do it. is insane right now. Don't do it. Um, mm. So I listened to it. Oh, good lord! Like the narrator does the most infuriatingly bad sort of camp juvenile voice, which honestly just. Oh, no. <laughs> so it was very nineties. I feel really bad. We're just throwing this poor narrator. Also, under could the bus. you hear like the air conditioning in the background? The yes, or like a fish tank or something. <laughs> There's something going on. But I swear, because I have the North American accent, I can probably do it the most justice. Yeah. He would be like, chapter 17. Like, he sounded like a California bro. Yeah. And then he would get, like, even more, like, camp and, like, juvenile sounding when he would, oh, man, like, I don't know, Zilla. Like, it was so It was so, so, so bad. It was really hard to listen to. But listening to it, um, I kind of... I, I, the thing I think with audiobooks when you don't have a good narration is you're very led by the thing that is directly happening in front of you. Whereas when you have a good narrator, it's it's a lot easier to like pick together the different paths and the different people and the different characters. But mm. this was not a very good narrator. And so you're very much like, the thing that he's saying right now is the story. It, like there wasn't much, it was quite hard to connect with the whole some a lot of the time. So it, it, it was it felt very much at the beginning like oh well this is one story about these two dudes that's all going on a road trip and like they're gonna have these things and then in the background there's some kind of vampire people but you didn't feel very connected to them because he wasn't he wasn't a good enough narrator to connect you mm. to them so they felt very distant everyone felt very distant when you were in the very specific stories so it, mm. it to listen to it it felt like you were not only getting different character stories but like a bunch of different stories it was quite hard to bring the whole together, um, which was interesting. Like, and I often felt like I was like, "Oh, now I'm in this world. Like, I've just shifted worlds. Like, that's crazy." Um, and it was. I really like. I really enjoyed it. The narrator was awful, but I really enjoyed how you kind of you did. You definitely felt that like you were in different worlds and different stories, and not just yeah. sort of different characters' minds. I think that might not entirely be the fault of the narrator okay all right <laughs> there is a little when i was reading it again there's like there's just bits where like the vampires all just stop at a hotel and just like they drink 
they eat Twinkies and they shag. <laughs> yeah. And it's like... <laughs> and it comes out of nowhere, right? It yeah. just goes away. It's very gratuitous. It's just, yeah. 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 But it feels like, this is the thing, I'm not even saying that as a, as a like, I really loved it. And and he his way with words is amazing. I love just beautiful mm. prose. Beautiful prose. Yes. And that's like my number one. I'm like, especially, it's goth. It's dark. Mm. It's like, oh, this felt like this. And like, the, really great at like painting a scene and the smells mm. and the flavors the of everything. The smell stuff is so good. Yeah. It's like all over. Like, because he's, so much his, um, he sort of moved away from horror in the latter half of his career and started writing books about sort of fictional books set in the New Orleans restaurant scene. Um, and you can kind of see where that comes from when you read these the kind of horror books because they're so like sensual and like like yeah really drawing you in with this the sort of color of smell quite a lot yeah it's mad but it's yeah brilliant yeah I found because I did I started by reading uh Mm -hmm. and then basically just switched not switched to audio but kind of dipped in and out of of both just to mm-hmm. save time because once again <clears throat> gotten all the time in the world but yeah. I'm cross-stitching now so I gotta listen so I can multitask um, oh brilliant yeah but um yeah I just I I was really compelled by the characters I I love a vampire and it's it's a very interesting because I was I'm I'm not disappointed you haven't read Anne Rice but I was kind of thinking like oh are we gonna have like a vamp a 90s vampire comparison moment Mm. where we talk about like the style of vampires and writing whether it's like Buffy like TV vampires in the 90s these vampires Anne Rice's vampires like these vampires for me like Anne Rice's vampires are very sexy and a very like Bex laughing at me (laughs) yeah it's a vampire comparison this yeah, is, I'm this into is my comparison. I love- please carry on. Can I can I record this film because this is <laughs> I'm already I'm already recording it. Amazing. <laughs> you carry on. I'm just gonna watch. It's it's joyful. So you you were saying vampire comparison. <laughs> Let's go. There's more. There's so many vampires. Um, but I'm curious because I feel like so Anne Rice's vampires felt very sexy in a very like poetic, old timey way. Hmm. Um, if that makes sense. Shut up. Stop laughing. Um, whereas these ones felt like so debaucherous and almost annoying. Like I almost, I'm used oh, to yeah, being, they're awful. they were not like nice vampires. Way. I'm used to being attracted to vampires as a teen <laughs> goth. Does that make sense? Let's just go yeah, absolutely, call it what it absolutely. is. I'm used to being sexually attracted to vampires. We should not yeah. do this podcast. Um, <laughs> no, like, I think that's a very normal experience. Like vampires are sexy and like people the, are into sexy by vampires. their nature. Like, that from the beginning they, you know, they seduce innocent women and virgins. Like that's that's <laughs> what they're meant to be. Um and I was I was annoyed by these vampires. They were frivolous. They're shoving Twinkies in there. There's always shit in their mouths. There's always like <laughs> chocolate in their teeth. Which and I think is supposed I was to so be grossed sexy. out by them. Like Twig it's and to, Twig and like, Malachi, I was like I've never been attracted to a Twinkie in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think the thing with this one, I think for me, like rereading this, I kind of realised a lot of what I reacted to as a teen goth and as a queer teen goth was less the vampires and more Steve and Ghost. Yeah. Um, that Which was is really lovely, actually. Yeah. That, that's most homoerotic relationship yeah. in the whole thing. And they... And forbidden. It's all based on like that they touch each other's legs yeah, and things like that, and that is—it's so much more erotic than 
you know, rolling around, biting each other and yeah. <laughs> putting all sorts of things everywhere. Um, yeah, I do feel yeah. like by the end, I felt like it was actually their story. It was less... Yeah. It was less about nothing. It was definitely less about like Zilla and Malachi and Twig, who when they entered the scene, I was like, yay, vampires. And then I was like, these guys are so fucking annoying. Like, I just want them to leave everyone alone because they're messing everything up. Well, I think that because mm. like, for me, I felt like they had no depth. So when they first came in, it was like, boom, here we are, vampires, great, la-di-da. And then they just kept, it just kept being the same, like, you know, chaos and sex and... Matt and that was it and it was yeah. it wasn't there was nothing um sensual about it whereas Stephen Ghost's relationship was really sensual and I, it felt as I well there was little I was gonna say I was reading it but as I was listening to it I could feel there was tension and there was emotion and every touch felt intimate whereas with the mm. vampires it was just like bitch batch boss job done here we go move on like and that was <laughs> That was it. And I think that's why they became annoying because after a while it was just like, oh, well, that, there they go again. Same same thing. Whereas Ghost and Steve felt intimate and sensual and every touch felt like it had, it meant something. You could almost feel that mm. tingle in the fingertips as, you know. Um, well, it felt like that was the one relationship in the whole book that wasn't superficial. It yeah. was a lot deeper than the surface. Whereas I feel like mm. every, every, like Steve and Anne, that was a mess and nothing in Zilla was a mess and Christian and nothing was why did that happen like um I mean it was fine for the minute but like nothing I didn't feel any kind of warmth from any of those but but yeah there's this kind of quiet thing moving along with with little fanfare throughout the whole book that I Mm. think actually was a bit of the heartbeat of the the novel. I was going to say, is this the first time you've reread it? Have you reread it before? Uh, Me, I've reread it a while ago now, probably, yeah, like probably about 10 years ago. Um, And then, yeah, I only just reread it recently. But I've reread all of his novels over the last kind of month or so, Uh, all of the horror novels anyway. Um, And they are so of the time. In a really, yeah. in a really satisfying way, actually, and I think, like, I think it's quite because I mean, some of it is just absolutely ridiculous, but I think also there's this that he has a a sense of camp that I think people often don't. I think people think of like goths and people that are into horror and stuff like that as people who take themselves quite seriously, <laughs> and I think there's a real sense of humour to his books and a real sense of camp to them that I've m- found much more rereading them than I probably did at the time, yeah. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, it might have been yeah. like a different nuance that you weren't quite yeah. getting as... I, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I loved uh, the I, I loved the campness of it. And mm. I like it literally, as I was listening to it, I was like, oh God, I've had... This just reminded me of so many teenage nights out, which at the time mm. I didn't realise were the campest things in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but listening to this book, I was like, Oh my just god! Just covered in sweat we and glitter really, and like, makeup. We were not cool, and yeah, yeah. like <laughs> we we it was yeah it was it was. Camp, you it was felt go- and so it was alive. Exact- you felt a little bit. It was also that exactly that thing of like we didn't take ourselves very seriously. Mm. Other people really thought we did, which is why they thought that bullying us would work. <laughs> it was like mm. no, 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 you don't understand. <laughs> we don't take this. We're not like 
we're not taking this really seriously and you're taking the piss out of us for taking it seriously but we 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 have awareness (laughs) yes yes and this is fun (laughs) this is fun fun. for us (laughs) Um, and it did just really remind me of being like 15 going all out in black with my little socky arm things on my arm stripy (laughs) stripy socky arm things um drinking too much and being ridiculous and and sitting up all night singing you know along to whatever 90s band it was and not taking yourself particularly seriously but feeling connected to people around you for exactly that reason because Mm. we shared we shared we shared something and and a lot of the time what we shared was that we didn't really care what anyone thought about us as long as we were happy with ourselves and with the people that we loved and it was there was something about this book that really reminded me of, of feeling that and not being able to recognise it at the time because I was 15 I didn't have that awareness. But looking down, mm. think, looking back, thinking, yeah, you know, we actually were quite cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the uh, the other kind of bit of the storyline that did grab me in the beginning was nothing's that, that feeling. It's that classic trope of that feeling of being a misfit and not belonging mm. and nobody understands me and this town is too small for me. And like I, that's literally oh, my 100%. full existence. <laughs> growing up, growing up in, a, in literally the middle of the country on a dirt road in a tiny like rural high school, the only goth uh, listening to Marilyn Manson and thinking like, oh, I'm too young to, I just want to, I just want to grow up real fast and I want to get mm. out of here. And, and I fully like that was my teen experience so that Mm. I definitely latched onto I felt like in the beginning I was very connected to that storyline and then it kind of did veer in a different direction and I got more connected to kind of Ghost and Steve but that kind of brought me right in to the story so immediately Uh, I was just like who who among us like well other than the prep preppy kids um (laughs) but who that has ever identified as a freak or a misfit or felt a Mm. little out there didn't feel all of those things as a teenager and absolutely that never that sense of empathy like never you never grow out of that you always remember how that felt yeah I love all the stuff with like nothing's friends like like that they're all just sort of snogging each other and listening to and passing around tapes which feels just so like Oh my god! I miss tapes. <laughs> I miss tapes. <laughs> I genuinely miss making mixtapes. Like, oh, this... and give it, and that, but like, it was, it was both the making that was enjoyable, but also that give it the moment you gave it mm. to someone, and it was like, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> it was weird for me listening, reading, whatever this. It, the pretty much the beginning, I think, of lockdown. I think I started this. Yeah, you started um, before me. Yeah, and it those things about those really human connections really like played over in my mind and I uh, reflecting back on that time of making mixtapes handing them to people and then looking at where we are now and especially in these situations where everything is so on a screen and so Mm. out there and so in need of connection from people that we don't even know that it just it, it really resonated with me something about that the the intimacy of those connections and often yeah. they they weren't great connections but they were real people and really authentic and i i mm. listening to it now i think i actually i really miss that and i think i've noticed that i really miss that in this particular situation yes. where you know i wouldn't have thought about it any other time but where we are so inclined towards screens and to all of this kind of stuff 
that I really actually miss being a 15 year old that would hand someone something that I had personally made and spent hours listening to every song and going through and mm. feeling that intimacy of connecting with a human being on that really basic level, which has changed. Even the, even the thing in that, that I think I get really nostalgic for as well is that um, he listens to the Lost Souls. So Stephen Ghost are in a band called Lost Souls, for anyone who doesn't know. And uh, nothing is given his... T- he swaps uh, his friend a poster for the Lost Souls tape. Um, and listening to that tape makes him run away from home and move to this other place in the middle of nowhere, yeah. which is just like... I, I can't even listen to a full song anymore. Like I can't can't imagine <laughs> loving something so much that. I would. But I think when yeah. you are a teenager, like that is a real experience yeah. of like, like yeah, like. Well, that and kind also of... we didn't have the we didn't have Spotify. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we don't, exactly. You know, we, don't we do listen. That. You listen to an album from beginning to end. Yeah. Like you didn't mm. really put it on shuffle because that felt like a weird that? thing to do. You had mm. to listen yeah. to the full. Thing. you would read read the lyrics in the booklet love and... an inlay love an inlay oh god I miss it so <laughs> yeah. much but oh. that's yeah exactly that saying we don't not that we don't have the same experiences we have them in very different ways now because we don't mm. sit and listen to whole albums um in that same way and like feel every moment of it like he does and mm. allow that to in, maybe in the same way that we read books like we we will often read books and you know, get to the end of the book and think, oh, I th- I feel like I've learned something about myself from reading that mm. book. You know, you can't skip a page or skip a chapter because, like, I mean, why the fuck would you do that? And yep. let's hope we never get to a point in life where we start doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but albums are, are much the same. They're stories, they're narratives. They're, mm. they're much the same as books they always have been. And we've now got to a point where people can pick and choose the catchiest one they like for that moment. And that doesn't afford you that same opportunity to connect and to see and reflect and imagine in the same way that we once did. Um, And I, I, yeah, I loved that music meant something to them all in that way, because I remember feeling that listening to my favorite albums, but I can, I remember, I remember that feeling. You still get that feeling when you listen to those records oh, now. Yeah. That's the beautiful mm. thing about it. Yeah. We're going off on a whole nostalgia tangent <laughs> oh that I gosh. desperately want to follow, but I also want this to reel it back in. This book is about nostalgia. <laughs> well, he has, he has plans, so we have to make sure we, we hit our points. Um, so what I really, really, really want to know is when did you first discover this book? How did it first come to you? And like, what was your experience with it the first time you read it? Because I feel like... I want to know why you chose this book. Like, what what was teenage Michael's experience with this? I think, basically, I don't want to step too much on it because I've got a quote for later on that kind of speaks to this. But um, I was one of those kids. Yeah, I was that goth kid in high school. I found this, I probably would have been about 15 or 16 uh, and read it. I picked it up this feels very that time but I got it from a second hand shop and it was like it's the copy that you have with the green cover and the like the very very 90s kind of moment like Trent Reznor kind of cover so yeah I was that kid and I, I read it I picked it up from a second hand shop and read it and just 
loved it. It's so it's that thing that you were saying before about it being like when you're a teenager and you read something like this, it's like, oh my god, it's so taboo and like what is going on and like and then reading it now, I found a lot of it that there's a lot of humour in there that I did not pick up on initially. Like particularly in the start, I think because I was that kid, like the stuff with nothing and his mum who's really nice to him but he like the way he describes her it's like oh "Oh, she asked me how I was (laughs) what an annoying bitch sorry Gail (laughs) yeah yeah she knows that experience how dare she knock on my door oh my god can't she see I'm just trying to live my life just just to just for one second to give credit where credit is due Gail mom you were so so patient and so tolerant so tolerant like she let me buy Marilyn Manson I think it became a Stockholm Syndrome thing by the end she just like grew to like she knows the words to Marilyn Manson songs like his posters were all over my walls she was just like you know what I don't I don't love this, but like, I'm going to let you, you're still in school. You're not doing drugs. You're not skipping class. Mostly, you can uh, find yourself. You know, <laughs> I listen to Alice Cooper and whatever else. So like, I'm, I'm going to let you do this. And so she never, she, she really didn't, she let me be myself. So, oh my God. I really can't drink wine in podcast. I'm like getting emotional. Oh um, no, cheers to Gail. Cheers to Gail. <laughs> so, you know, I got very lucky in that regard, but there were definitely moments because I was a teenage girl where I would be, she was that accepting and I was still like, fuck you, mom, you don't understand me. And she's like, I'm letting you be a goth. I, uh, <laughs> like, I did love I that. I am the mother of the year. What are you doing? I did love that. Exactly that thing. If you don't understand me, I have to leave this place and find my people. It was like the most ridiculously melodramatic thing. But that's I, what so we were. Good. That's what teenage, well, yeah, being a teenager and is. Everything like, feels that deep and that intense and that right yeah. now. And it is melodramatic. Well, I haven't read it before. So like, it's really interesting, like exactly what like you said. I can imagine... If I'd have read it when I was that age, I would not have picked up on that. Whereas mm. reading it now, I'm like, that's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like, well, that's probably <laughs> someone who has been through that yeah, experience and now is writing about it as an adult, drama right? And excess and over the topness is like, yeah. I loved I loved Shout it out to the, all the parents yeah, I did, <laughs> that dealt with us. I did that's love so that as a, now in my 30s, looking at it, thinking like, I 100% know that I wouldn't have got this if I'd have read it as a teenager. Yeah. But the bit of me that has been that teenager really appreciates that, for one, that it's been written really authentically. Like, that's mm. genuinely, that is how teenagers fucking behave. Mm. Um, it's awful. And I, I liked it. It was very tongue-in-cheek and it was melodramatic, but it was ridiculous and it was absurd. And it allowed those characters to be that. Like, it wasn't... Yes. It wasn't condemned. It wasn't like, oh, they're a nightmare. They're annoying. It was like, allow them to be that. Allow them to go through it. Allow them to have that journey. Allow them to find themselves. They might Mm. change who that self is two minutes later, but allow them to go down that journey. And Mm. that's something that I really liked about it because it accepted those those faults, those quirks of being a a teenager trying to work out who the fuck you are Mm. and it laughed at them but it didn't ridicule them and it didn't belittle them it it allowed them to have have worth in you know as they do yeah yeah that's yeah i think that's what i respond to in 
in this book. And I think his other books are slightly more... This is the like first book where he's throwing everything at it. And I think his other books are slightly more successful at the balance between horror and like that very wry sense of humour and the kind of observational stuff. Um, but I, for, this one is the one for me. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder like when, so when you, I think Siobhan is the one that kind of tipped you over mm. to us. Um, yeah, yeah. What, like, how was it immediate that you knew this would be the book? Like, what was the reason for you that you were like, this is the one I have to talk about? Sorry, Sorry I'm uh, laughing. <laughs> Listeners, I'm laughing because Beck has a cat on her shoulder. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm really curious to know why, like, was it immediate? Did you have to think about it? And like, what was the, what was the decision like? No, it was immediate. It was yeah. like, that's the one. And I think, like, if I had sat and thought about it for longer, it might not have been yeah. that. <laughs> no, um, I feel the same why? way. I, I still if question you, the book I chose. Oh, God, you hate the book you chose. <laughs> I don't hate the book. I love the book I chose, yeah, but I'm still constantly, I'm constantly thinking, was that the right choice? But, yeah. But I think no, that, I think you should go with your gut. But we do this. Mm. I think this is, I think this is a really interesting conversation if you both neck your wines. Um <laughs> Because I think we have, with, with with all art, but I think especially with books, like it's really easy to fall into this snobbery, um, or even like not even a snobbery, but an expected snobbery. So like if I say this, someone else is going to think that. And I think this is a really good example because the book that we first think about when someone says what is a book that really impacted you we know the answer like in the same Mm. way that we know it for music or anything else we know it because it hit us in our hearts and fucking minds and we've carried it for however many years we know what the answer is to what is the book that has impacted you but we start to doubt it when we think what is that expectation what is the expectation of the books that should change me the books that should change me should be like i don't know the Sartre or Austin or Orwell or Shakespeare or Henry James or one of these great amazing people that people study and write books around and I've picked Spot the Fucking Dog but you know (laughs) what Spot the Fucking Dog changed me because it made me realize that keep on looking and keep on searching and you will find the thing that you're looking for and we do this all the time. And it, like this is such a great example because both of you have said, I knew the book and yet both of you, if I'd have thought about it longer, I yeah. would have I would have doubted it. And I like I I I know Alison for you, but I I can imagine for you as well, it's oh, you know, I picked this book and everyone else picked a smarter book or people picked this book or people picked... Mm. And it's that expectation of what should matter to our lives. Well, they're yeah. like, fuck that. If this matters to your life, it is worth something. And maybe what, people should study it and write a book yeah. about it. Or what does what I chose say about me? What and how about? Is, it, is that how I want to be seen? It doesn't matter mm. because this book that you read when you were 12, 13, 14, 15, and that made you love reading, made you love books, made you fall in love with something, made you connect with yourself, reflect on yourself it doesn't matter what that book was, it is important for that reason. And you might read it 20 years later and think, oh, good God, what? (laughs) This is, this is so bad. This is like, it's just, it's an awful book. I'm so sorry. Who cares? You're having a different experience now. My favourite book has double incest. 
double <laughs> is, is that like does that cancel it out if it's like oh, maybe it does. do you get like a cancel out double yeah. interest yeah, you're back yeah. to zero. It's back fine. <laughs> Keep on trucking. No, uh, sorry, sorry to like bring a comical vibe. That was a beautiful rant that I will keep in the episode because I think it's important. Because I think everybody that has has been asked, we've asked people like friends to come on, and they're like, "Oh yeah. no, I'm not clever enough." Yeah. it's like you have to be clever. Like that's Doesn't not matter. the point. Doesn't matter. I think that my whole vibe is like anti anti doing that. Like it's yeah. like very much like let's let's pick the thing that you actually like yeah. and let's talk let's give value to the things that you actually like and not the things that you think you should like to impress people yeah, I guess absolutely. I think so much of my experience of reading this this time was like colored by like I've got other people to read this book and like <laughs> like oh my fucking god but also like it's a total banger like i love it, it's like, it. i loved it yeah. i loved it and now gail's reading it like look what oh. you've done She's gonna write to you. You're gonna gonna change Gail's life. (laughs) (laughs) So you were saying like you're you were like nervous. Oh my god, I've got other people to read this. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a great thing, and I want to know. We want to know. Um, who who would you recommend this book to? Without shame, and why? I would recommend this to. See, this is one of the books that I wouldn't recommend to everyone. I would only recommend it to somebody that I felt was on the same frequency and often the the long and short of like being on the same frequency is like were you a teenage goth by which I mean are you still a goth because you're never not a goth like you can see it in people like <laughs> you can... yeah neither of us like just looking at your I mean obviously we're in isolation so we have no makeup on etc mm. but like I don't think either of us would like present as goth Obviously, but you can totally tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally tell. I turned up to a team meeting on Zoom the other day um, with a black fitted bed sheet just draped around my shoulders because I couldn't be bothered to get dressed up and nobody noticed or commented. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so you would recommend this to former teen goths, would... current teen goths, although they're fewer these days. Yes, yes. Anyone who's on that frequency of like, anyone who's going to enjoy the camp of this yeah. book and take it in the spirit it was intended yeah. no I think you're exactly right there's a certain type yeah, of person yeah. me hi uh <laughs> you hit the nail on the head because you didn't know that about me you're just like here's a book no no you got very yeah. lucky uh <laughs> and so did I so did I because I hadn't read it I too enjoyed the book <laughs> oh good, good. <laughs> listen back it's been a long time since I've been able to connect with a guest on this level so just let me have my moment I'm so happy right now and very slightly drunk <laughs> do you have a quote from the book and do you also want to tell us why you picked this this quote I'm so excited particularly lovely, lovely. this is yeah I I shamefully when I was like thinking of a quote I did look for quotes from the book <laughs> there's lots of sort of kind of Instagram style things of like like the quotes from the book that people pick yeah. out and this is not one of them <laughs> this is who the book is for and absolutely who I'd recommend the book to um yeah, so shall I just read it? Guys, right? the floor yeah. is yours. He was truly nothing now, he knew it. When in junior high school he finally made friends, 
Not friends who could share his soul, but friends who understood a little better than anyone else ever had. Other skinny pale kids, hippie and punk kids, kids in black t-shirts and leather jackets and smudgy makeup shoplifted from the drugstore at the mall. He told them to call him by that name. Oh, perfect. Love. Perfect. <laughs> oh, God bless him. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That is, Oh, yeah. my teen Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael. Um, I feel like I found a kindred spirit in you. And oh, I could talk to you forever and ever. Even though you're on my team and you're very happy here and we're going to go listen to I've chosen to forget. <laughs> I've chosen to forgive and forget. But I am aware that you have other things uh, to do this evening and also we should probably wrap up the episode so before cool. we let you go um you're a writer you're a filmmaker you are mm-hmm. full of amazing creative things where can people find you and your craft uh online i am hrf michael uh, across most platforms but particularly on twitter um, no one ever asks, but it stands for Her Royal Flyness. Um, just to, <laughs> uh, in case somebody needed to know. I did um, need to know. Thank you so much for thank you. sending us back to our favourite part in the past. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. We will let you go and carry yeah. your evening on. This has been an thank absolute you so much. pleasure. Is, thank yeah, you. Such a joy. Your Own Words is hosted by Alison Dunnings and Becky Graham. It is recorded in London at the Pitch Room in Runway East, Soho. Theme song by Natasha Pasternak. Read along with us at yowpod.com. <laughs>